This is Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. of the FBI television series. What's in a name? If your friends call you Frank, you may have found that Francis is a Teutonic name meaning free. As a second lieutenant, you may know that originally the third officer of an infantry company was called Ensign because he carried the company flag. The same was true with a cavalry's cornet because he rode with a cornet pennant. Later, the flags were laid aside, and these officers became known as second lieutenants. What's in a name? Plenty. Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring singer Julius LaRosa, Arthur Godfrey, popular comedian Bob Newhart, and a complete episode of the radio serial Superman. One of the great entertainers heard on the radio for more than 40 years is Arthur Godfrey. He made his first appearance in 1929 on an amateur hour at a Baltimore radio station. Then he began his own program for a pet shop on WFBR in that city. He billed himself as Red Godfrey, the warbling banjoist. In 1934, he joined CBS Radio in Washington, and seven years later, the CBS network offered him his own early morning show, a program heard every day, Monday through Friday. It's Arthur Godfrey time. And now, here's that man himself, Arthur Solid Hank Godfrey. Solid Hank. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Are you gentlemen, you, you ladies and gentlemen, familiar with the works of uh, a writer named Al Hoffman? Al Hoffman? Oh, sure you do. He's pretty good. He wrote such numbers as Heartaches, Little Man, You've Had a Busy Day, There's No Tomorrow, Bake a Cake, It Takes Two to Tango. Al Hoffman is complaining. He has written several other songs, and nobody seems to want to publish them. I don't see why either. They have the most beautiful titles. Listen, Somebody Loves Me, I Wonder Why. <laughs> <laughs> Darling, You're So Far Apart. <laughs> what is life without a stranger when you haven't got a friend I may be wrong but I'm not far from it everyone has somebody to love and all I have is you yeah I know how it is too I have some beautiful songs I wrote I can't get them published either when I'm with you I'm lonesome when the tide went out, I found you. I can't tell you what I've been through, dear. They tell me it was a swinging door. I got some beautiful... I can't get the doggone things published. In October 1953, Arthur Godfrey made radio history when he actually fired a member of his cast while the program was on the air. Singer Julius LaRosa had been with the show for several years, and while millions listened coast to coast, they heard Julius sing his last song, at least on Godfrey's show, and then the axe fell. Listen closely now to the lead-up, the song, and the end. And now I want you to meet a young man named Julius LaRosa. 
It pleases me mightily whenever I see the reception that you give these kids, and especially Julius here. Except for uh, the McGuire sisters and Luann, who came after him, Julius is our youngest member, isn't he? Yeah. How long ago did you come? It was uh, November 13th. No, November 17th, 1951. Be two years next month. Not quite two years. Yes, sir. Two years ago. And it was about three years ago then when I first met you. October 4th, 1950. <laughs> when I first met Julie. I'll never forget when he first came up here and I said to him, uh, you know, I told him when he came up and did a couple of guest appearances with us, if you remember. He was in uniform. And I said, well, when you get out of that man's Navy, if you don't want to stay in for 30 years, come on up here and I'll <laughs> give you a job. And he took me at my word. And he came and I put him to work. And immediately everybody loved him. And it always has done my heart good to see that you people saw the same quality in him that I saw. Which, if you have noticed, and I'm sure you have, is the same quality that I have in everybody in my cast. I picked them all that way. Sure, he's got a good voice, but lots of people have good voices. There's something else that you like, which is a, a wonderful quality that it's hard to get. So uh, I'll never forget when he first came here and went to work steadily, he said to me, gee, you know how he used to do, gee, gee. I don't know with all those stars on the show. And I said to him, Julie, you don't know it, but I don't have any stars in my show. In my show, we, we're all just a nice big family of very nice people, like yourself. And you hold on to that quality and you'll never have to worry about a thing. You're just as big as anybody else. You just go and try to improve yourself all the time and one day you'll be the big stuff, see? And this boy in two years' time has done this. In two years' time he has... He and Archie have their own recording company now. And he's, he's gotten to be a great big name. And I would like, Julie, if he would, to sing me that song called Manhattan. Have you got that? Huh? Yes, sir. Sing me that. Summer journeys to Niagara and to other places aggravate all our cares. We'll save our fares. I've a cozy little flat in what is known as Old Manhattan. We'll settle down right here in town. We'll have Manhattan. The Bronx and Staten Island, too. It's lovely going through the zoo. It's very fancy on old Delancey Street, you know. The subway charms us so when balmy breezes blow to and fro. And tell me what street compares with Mott Street in July. Sweet push cards gently gliding by. The great big city's a wondrous toy, just made for a girl and boy. 
will turn Manhattan into an Isle of Joy. We'll go to Yonkers, where true love conquers in the wild, and starve together, dear, in Charles. The city's clamor can never spoil the dreams of a boy and his goyle. We'll turn Manhattan into an Isle of Joy. Thanks ever so much, Julie. That was Julie Swan's song with us. He goes now out on his own as his own star soon to be seen in his own programs, and I know you wish him Godspeed, same as I do. This is the CBS Radio Network. Popular in the late 1930s and into the 1940s were the afternoon serials, such as Captain Midnight, Tom X, Buck Rogers, and this one right out of the comic magazines. The Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Telegraph lines broadcast to the world news of a terrible disaster. Valley Hole Dam is cracking under the strain of a huge downpour. Should it give way, a mountain of water will sweep down the valley, killing thousands and destroying the fertile land. In the office of the Daily Planet. Kent, get me Clark Kent. Oh, he isn't in the office. Well, look for him, Lois, and have him report to me before I lose my mind. Why not have me handle the assignment? Can't. It's too important. This is no job for a girl. Oh, no job for a woman. I've half a mind to... Lois encounters Clark outside the newspaper office. Oh, Clark Kent, you're just the man I'm looking for. You mean you're, you're actually glad to see me? I should say I am. Uh, would you do me a favor and cover an assignment for me? Would I? You know I'd do anything for you. Good. Go to the city hospital's maternity ward. A uh, Mrs. Mahoney is expecting sex tuplets. What a story. Thanks, Lois. You're a peach to let me handle this. Later... One round trip ticket to Valley Ho, please. At the city hospital, Clark Kent learns that no Mrs. Mahoney is registered there. That's strange. Say, I wonder if Lois is by any chance pulling a double cross. I'd better get right back to the office. You brainless idiots. Greatest news story in months on the fire, and you waste your time at a hospital. But, but Chief, I... I, I the worst know part that... of it is that the last train for Valley Ho has already left. Kent, report to the cashier. You're fired. But Kent has other plans. When alone, he strips off his outer garments and stands revealed in the Superman costume. Now, forget that story. From atop the great Daily Planet building, a weird figure leaps out into the night. Huge distances are swiftly covered by it with giant leaps. 
like a train headed for Valley Hope. Well, hello, train, and goodbye! If Lois thinks she's going to scoop me, she's badly mistaken. With the speed of light, he reaches the railroad trestle. What the? A torrent has loosened the bridge's supports, causing the tracks to tilt, making a wreck inevitable. The warning whistle of the approaching train is heard. Without a moment's hesitation, the cloaked figure mounts a peak of the rocks and dives forward. No time to lose. Seizing the bridge's supports, Superman presses up, up, until the tracks level. Superman holds the bridge rigid until the train passes over. After which he permits it to crash. Lois, among other passengers, rushes to the windows. What was that? The bridge collapsed. An instant earlier, we'd have been killed. At the next junction, send a warning that the bridge is out. We must warn the other trains. When Valley Ho is reached, Lois fights her way through the mob at the station. Like everyone except me is trying to get away. Patsy! Oh, will you give me a lift to the dam? You can have the car, lady. I'm taking a train out of here. Lois drives the taxi at top speed. The dam is not far distant. Atop the dam, Superman has been battling like mad to keep it from breaking. If I can only hold out a little longer. Most of the people hereabouts will have cleared out. It's beginning to give. Suddenly, with a great roar, the huge dam collapses. Superman leaps above the water's turbulent fury. But Lois finds herself directly in the path of the great, irresistible flood of unrushing water. Oh, the dam is gone. I haven't a chance. A car in the flood's path with a girl inside. I've got to save her. But before Superman can reach the auto, it is caught up and swept along by the flood. Trapped within the car, Lois appears doomed to a watery death. Until Superman, upon reaching it, tears the auto apart and rises with Lois in his arms toward the water's surface. Powerful strokes bring them to shore. Instantly, Superman is off like a shot, racing the flood. He catches up with its beginning and passes it. It is a fantastic race with the lives of thousands at stake, with Superman in the lead. Ahead of the raging, rushing torrent, he springs to a high pinnacle, then pits his tremendous strength against a great projection of rock. Before Superman's might, the huge mountain peak cracks and cascades downward in the face of the flood. The avalanche of rock crams shut the mountain gap below, cutting off, diverting the flood to another direction, away from Valley Ho Town. Phew! Barely in time. Oh, you did it. You saved all those people. Oh, I could just kiss you. Well, As lady, a matter of fact, I lady, will. Please. <laughs> wow! What a kiss. A super kiss for a superman. Suddenly, sweeping Lois off her feet, 
Superman leaps outward. Enough of that. I've got to bring you back to safety, where I'll be safe from you. <laughs> the first time you carried me like this, I was frightened. Just as I was frightened of you. But how I love it. Just as I love you. When Valley Town is reached... Oh, don't go. Stay with me, always. Perhaps we'll be the Later. Hello, Chief. This is Clark Kent calling from Valley Ho. Yeah, I got here by airplane and have some sensational news. Am I rehired? Okay, C connect me with the rewrite man. As Clark leaves the phone booth, he encounters... Lois. That wasn't a nice stunt you pulled on me. But I still like you. Oh, who cares? The spineless worm. I can hardly bear looking at him after having been in the arms of a real he-man. There's excitement ahead and a thrill a minute. So don't miss a word from now on. Listen tomorrow and every day... Same time, same station. Tune in and follow the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Follow the adventures of Superman brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the makers of that super delicious cereal... Co co comedian Bob Newhart does many routines on television in his nightclub act and on records. One of the funniest and my favorites is this one about Superman. This is the thing, we've all gone through this. You send a suit out to the cleaners and you get back somebody else's suit. And you try it on, it doesn't fit you, you know, you're tripping over the the trousers and all that. It's not a major inconvenience, but it could be supposing uh, Superman got, <laughs> got the wrong suit back from the... Now, he's, he's got a problem. And, uh, he is sitting in his office disguised as Clark Kent right? at, the, at the Daily Planet, right? And the phone rings. Hello, hello. Yes, yes, this is Clark Kent. The, the mild-mannered reporter, yes. <laughs> you're, you're holding Lois Lane, and unless we come up with a million dollars by tonight, we'll never see her again. She suggested I contact a Mr. S. <laughs> yes, I know what she means. Could, could I put you on hold for just a minute? I, I, I have a, a bit of a problem. He hello, hello, uh, B&W cleaners. Look, th this is Clark Kent, and the mild-mannered reporter, yes. I'm, I'm fine, fine, thank you. Listen, there's been a mix-up on my suits, and, and I, I need it. I, I have to go out on a job right now. I'm sure it's not my suit. I, look, I brought it in this morning on one-day service. Now, I, let me describe my suit to you. 
The cape is kind of a royal blue <laughs> with, with white piping. And the leotards are, are kind of... are kind of an off blue. No, they're, they're not my wife's, no. They're, they're mine, I'm, I'm not married. What, what's that supposed to mean? Look, maybe this will help you. On, on the jersey, there's a kind of red S. S for Clark Kent, yes. With, with an outfit like that, you, you wouldn't use your right initials either. <laughs> Look, how would you like somebody to leap over tall buildings in a single bound and land right on your store? <laughs> look, look, this is very important. Uh, would you check with the morning man? Maybe he saw it. You don't recall him laughing. This is very difficult to explain. Uh, see, I sometimes fly in that suit. What, what do you mean you bet I do? All right, would you check with the clerk at the plant? This is very important. You see. Well, I have a crisis here. If, if you can't find it, you might tide me over with some Toreadors and a blouse. <laughs> How'd you like somebody to come down there and knock that silly cigar out of your mouth? <laughs> Never mind how I can see it, I can see it. <laughs> Look, you can't find the suit, is that it? I have someone on hold. All right. Hello, kidnappers. <laughs> could, could I speak with Lois, please? L Lois, baby? Uh, listen, I, I don't think we're going to be able to get you out of this one, Lois. <laughs> Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. I hope you've enjoyed the past half hour as much as I have. And here's a thought to remember. Whether you go by plane, by train, or by bus, remember that air, rail, and highway carriers offer reduced rates for all military personnel traveling in uniform and on authorized leave. So before you go, get in the know. Check it out. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next time for the Golden Days of Radio. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service.